Hey guys, Nick here. Do you like going to mom and pop stores and you're wondering what that elegant smell is? Come to find out it's from the artisan soap display in the store. You pick it up and the smell takes you to another level, time and place. You see the price and you politely put it down. Because of the price, you say to yourself, one day, or I'll just stick to my liquid and store brand bar of soap. If that is you, look no further, listeners. We got you covered. At mandydandies.com, we got an all-natural hygienic product. A product that is veteran-owned and made. And perfect for all types of skin. Again, check out mandysdandies.com for all natural products you need, want, and have been waiting for. Use promo code MMB10 for your special discount. Welcome to another episode of Miles Mountains and Brews. I'm your host, Nick Coleman. With me is Big Dwayne. What's up, Nick? And Brady. I'm back for another one. Yes, you are. It feels good to have all you guys here, man. And you know what? What better what better time to have you guys sitting down? This is episode 18, but also 25. Oh, man. I, I can't. It, what a great way to celebrate. It's you know, like a seven-episode jump, right? Y- yes, okay. yes, yes. Because of the point five. I've, I've been trying to figure out that gap, but it's just now hit me. It's quite, <laughs> it's quite a gap, but, man, you know... Episode 25, man. That's achievement. It's a milestone. So I, I want to thank the listeners. I want to thank you guys, Dwayne, Brady, and uh, Faith. And today, Zoe Jane's sitting down because she wants to uh, have a piece of this as well. Sitting in the background. Yes, so, she is. Yes, yes. So, so uh, another, another person or people that I need to uh, thank are... The people from Skyline Brewing Company, Ty and Rye, for allowing me to uh, sit down with them and just chat it up. You know, uh, they 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 allowed us to sit on this one since freaking uh, since before Thanksgiving, <laughs> <laughs> and I just been trying to find the right time and place just to get everybody in, just you know, to see what their thoughts are and everything else. So. This is anticipated one of the most due to the nature of it, the visit and the hospitality. It has to, it has to be the number one episode just because of what my brother and I received. Yes. My brother did what he did or lack there. Oh, I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> the at, zombie. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it it was the hospitality when it came uh, to, didn't know we were going to have all those testers. <laughs> <laughs> after, after 25 of those, uh, <laughs> kind of laying on your lips on that yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, we had to thank Ty and, you know, Rye wanted to, uh, you know, get us more tanked. But uh, the conversation alone, man, it was, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was wonderful and outstanding beer. I, f- I feel the listeners and you guys got the taste of it throughout the episode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I got a good sense of what they're about, and now I want to get down there and be there physically. Yes. Have my own questions answered. Will the wife let you? Oh, for saying? sure. Okay. Not, 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 not doing anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> we got to do that February brew tour and include them. Yeah. Stop number one. I, I think that has to be number one. 
I yeah, really we'll think just, that needs we'll to be just bomb one. down there and get them done. Well, they yeah. got that other brewery, uh, the twenty two over there by uh, Bend. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Twenty two breweries. Okay. No. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll take a weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A long weekend. Yeah, it can take a yeah, it can take a week. But I think that will be either the first stop of the brew tour or the last stop. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. Say the best for last kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like it. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't. I didn't listen to this episode until recently because, man, the one thing that really got to me was the sound quality. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but what were your thoughts on that? I really didn't have a problem with the sound quality. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I didn't think it was off at all. I thought I lost it all. I th- I really did under the circumstance of uh, being in a, a hundred year old uh, plus right, right, right. milk parlor. Well, it kind of brought you there though. Yeah. You, you, you felt like you were there. I, I, I okay. can hear it. I can, I can, I, but it, it, you just close your eyes and you feel like you were in the room. Okay. Is it's, what I like. I like. I enjoyed that it felt like it wasn't a tight, confined space. Yeah, it, like you could feel the open layout of the right. place. Yeah. through the audio. Okay. If you're asking me to nitpick it, my only thing is is a little bit quiet, but I, it was clear, yeah. crystal clear. Sh- I just I had to turn up a notch or two on my earbud to listen to it as I was okay. rolling down the road. Yeah, it was difficult, and you know, uh, at the beginning. When I told my brothers, like, man, I I think we really did crap the bed. That whole interview, I thought it was lost just because of the the noise Mm. in the background. But we did it. No, I thought it was good. I tinkered. I tinkered. I tinkered it. I think that's the one thing that I have to, like, say we did a good job on. (laughs) Because I was sweating bullets the whole ride up north. And then until I actually was able to sit in front of a computer and weasel my way. Well, here's here's the deal, people. You got to understand, Nick is a perfectionist when it comes to this whole setup. (laughs) Uh, If it's not perfect, he's not happy at all. So just like anybody else, if, if if you're good at your craft, you want to be the best at your craft. I try. I try to be. So thank you, Dwayne, for the, the, job, though, the kind, the kind words. Yeah, but you know, it's nothing like going there in a podcast with the podcast, right? The small mic interviewing, and then thinking, "Oh man, all that that I did is gone." And you were also hooking the mic up to your phone, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I hooked it up to the phone, and because of that, I also uh, made a purchase for the iPad. So hopefully, yeah. the iPad brings it to another level. Brings some more quality into y- it. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, like seriously, what you guys want to go in deep on your thoughts of it, or? Well, it's it's kind of like brought me back to my home roots, you know, you know, being an old farm boy myself. So going back to you know. Living off the land, you know, we only went to the store for, uh, was it, toilet paper, toothpaste, and soap, everything else we had at the house because it was off the, off the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of, I I understand where, how those guys are right, and where their whole niche is and how they are so thankful for everything they have. You know, there's, there at, it, at any given time throughout the whole thing, there was no 
I'm better than you kind of thing ever right? coming out of them. It was more of like, no, come on down, man. You're my pants go on just the same as you, right? You know, which is yeah. that's that's a really good feeling wherever you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. And that was welcoming. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know if you guys heard it too. There's a lot of people coming in and getting their uh, draft beers. Yeah. You hear yeah. That? Oh yeah. I was I hearing mean, that, dude. I'm like, okay, with Ty's phone ringing. Rye just sitting back and just chilling, you know, and, and <laughs> then then you got people hunting on their land right. that, you know, I'm not going to say, but that was cool in itself, meeting oh, yeah. somebody, you know, a fellow podcaster, YouTuber, and it's just like, do you guys understand what you guys have here? <laughs> like, you guys are, you know, you guys got quite the show. I think that's part of the cool thing about them is they're just so laid back and like, yeah, come on in. Like, this is, yeah, yeah we're relaxed with yeah. all of this and they don't want to try all 12 of these. <laughs> they don't realize the level of people that they have on the land because they're so open and so Crazy. humble. Just like, yeah, come on down here. We have some property. Come hunt it. Yeah. Like, we don't mind. Yeah. We'll, we're open to share all this. But yeah. It was, it was, it was quite a scenery. It was quite the feeling. What, what, what's your take on it, Brady? Dude, I, like I said, I want to get down there. I want to meet Ty. I want to meet Rye. I want to sit down and spend like a good three or four hours with those guys, picking their brain on the farming side and growing up and what they did that way, not just the brews. Because, I mean, the I, I do want to get into the brews and the milk parlor and all that. Yeah. But I am interested in the farming side of it, too. Yeah. Because that's. That's something that I'd like to go and take a tour of their property. So go see all I of see what they, they grow, what they do. How they cook the meat that they always have. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to see what you know what they grew up Dwayne on. Dwayne and that cooking yeah. in the meats. Yeah, it's all about the meats, right, man. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm right. always open to learn from somebody. Seriously. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, nev- you never stop learning. Yeah, mm-hmm. The day you do is the day you die. So. Right. Brady, you've been, you've been on the back end for a while of this yeah. podcast and everything else. What? What are your thoughts on me getting in to the farming aspect of it? Was I going into much? Was I too little? Was it just spot on? Was it like an intro for people I, just to get a little hungry on, hey, thank your farmer, local farmer? Or I think it what? was a good, like, it was a good spark for the listeners to be yeah. like, you know, I never really thought about that before. Like, where does my corn come from? Because I can go and pick up a can of corn from Winco. Right. But where does that corn in the can come from? Is it local? Is yeah. it coming from across the sea? Is it out of another state back east or in the flatlands? You know, those flyover states that everyone talks about? So I I personally want to hear more about it. I know, man. I want to get more into the farming, the ranching. You know, I want to go visit some guys who are all grass-fed cattle, open-range type stuff. That would be a great visit, great interview. Oh, yeah. But right. well, well, you did. I'm, s- I'm into it, man. Yeah? Well, he, he did say that he would want us in for a second round. So Let's do it. I'm, I'm just saying this. I hope they are, you know, up for more episodes in the in the future. Like, just... Year oh, yeah. after year, you know, because dude, I they got quality beer, man. They're not just quality people, man. They got quality beer, quality <clears throat> bulls and cows and everything, well, on the, man. On the hunting side, with all their property that they have, 
I'll double check the Oregon pheasant season, but that might be a fun thing to do if we make it back down there this winter. Yeah, I think that's what... bring the shotguns down and do a little pheasant hunting down there. Think, and then, yeah, hey, let's figure out like three or four recipes to cook up some wild game. Right. Let's yeah. do something fun like that. Shooting some backyard bird. Oh, yeah, so before we go to the episode, uh, Brady, did you want to wait until after to talk about all this stuff that you had? Yeah, because I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to give away. Yeah. I don't want to spoil. <laughs> so There you okay. go. Uh, we'll wait till after, and then the listeners can go back and listen to it again. You good, Dwayne? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know what? Since listening to that, because, man, I was just, like, so judgmental of my work. Like, mm. seriously. And I finally um, listened to the tail end of it while putting lights up on the house. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I did some uh, Christmas stuff today. No, the we don't pay attention nice. to that. What's up? I said the decor is nice. The, yeah, yeah, did that. Tracy so, did a good job. So, so, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, I want her to go up on this eve, man. These eaves yeah. of the house? Oh, sketch. Oh, sketch. I've been up there once, and it's like. Mine are all flat. Mine are all flat. Oh, man, I'm the good. eve, it's sketch, man. Especially right over here. Like, I, I'm always afraid of coming into that that window, dude. Oh, man. It's, yeah, it's sketch. So, so it. It's only gonna hurt once. After yeah, right. After listening, <laughs> that is true. After listening to that episode, it was probably the only way I would have had it. This episode, I honestly don't think I would have had it anywhere else. For that, I thank you, Ryan, Ty, and Skyline Brewery for allowing me to be part of that. And so, listeners, enjoy this episode, and I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Welcome to another episode of Miles Mountains and Brews, emphasis on the brews. I'm your host, Nicholas Coleman. With me today is Matthew. How's it going, guys? And Ryan and Ty Cleaver of Skyline Brewing Company. How are you guys? Wonderful. Thank you for being here today. Oh, yeah. Super. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, thank you. I mean, this is really, really... uh, a big moment for the podcast, actually. No, you laugh, but it is, man. Like, I, I took the day off to be here. You called and it sick. I called I call it sick. I called it sick, and I, I traveled down here. <laughs> oh, you just gave that one away. Wait, yeah. Oh, no, I gave myself away. Days prior. Day yeah. yeah. But people, people know I have the podcast, and I enjoy it. They know it, and they don't mess with me. I work with troubled kids, so... Oh. But I, I, that's the first time I broadcasted it, so I just, it's so cool. <laughs> so this is, my, this is what I do for fun, and I love every minute of it. So the history, you were telling me a lot about the history, Ty. Uh, I, I did do a lot of research. I, you did six years of home brewing, right? Uh, about, yes. About. And, and so how, how did this come about? How did Skyline come about? Um... So, you know, we are, we at least want to be farmers and ranchers first and foremost. Um, it's kind of a twisted path to get to anything. So um, when Moonshiners was a big deal, him and a couple of his friends kind of got into distilling. And I'd always been really fascinated by beer. And I think watching them step out on that limb kind of pushed me to do the same. Uh, one day we were at the Grange Co-op, which is kind of a farm store down here. And at that point in time, they sold homebrewing books. So we were casually in the Grange Co-op one Sunday. I grabbed this book called um, 
the complete joy of home brewing and I remember the end of the foreword to that says get into this book basically and your life will never be the same uh, that's a very very true statement so the brewery started on my back porch um, at that point in time I was making like a lot of fruit beers and stouts and stuff like that um, then I accumulated enough stuff off the back porch that my commanding officer informed me it would be leaving the back porch. <laughs> and we bought this place and moved down here about 11 years ago. So anything that didn't immediately find its way into the house got quagmired in purgatory in the garage. So I counter-offered the commanding officer, okay, if I clean the garage out, can I have it? She accepted... Um, and then the home brewing system grew to about 50 gallons and we're both really involved in, you know, the water situation here, which, uh, if you ever have the chance to do that pass. Um, but one of the cool things with it is, okay, when you're giving your friends free beer, you expect to tell you, yeah, this is really good. But when you have people from Seattle and Portland and the Bay Area going, dude, this is really good and you really need to do something with this, that, that's kind of a moment of pause. And then, you know, would like to think we'll still be farming in 10 years, but just with the reality of the situation here and due to a bunch of factors that are out of your control, that may not work. So it was like, okay, we may need other ways to feed our families, and this is happening. And are we sitting in the 100-year-old... Ah, uh, that would be correct. Milk pot parlor? Yes. Yes, that's awesome. Now, those are the original gutters over there. So the center part of the floor is the original floor. Um, everything else was broke out and um, report so it would all drain. Fat people really don't like to cut concrete either. It's okay. a bad deal. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm, I'm pretty sure Dwayne is a big, early black dude that we have on the podcast, and uh, he would probably agree with it because he did uh, pour concrete. And, uh, yeah. In Bakersfield? <laughs> In Bakersfield, yeah. Yep. Bakersfield. Bakersfield. So. Okay. So you, you say master taste tester. You're not – are you the master – Brewer, because I, I, I read uh, on your online, I was like, I, 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 I we, we don't have a brewmaster. <laughs> no. Okay, so you, you call yourself a master taste tester. Um, I like. That I, I, my business card it actually says beer fashionista. Oh. <laughs> I had I, I had a guy threatened to. Well, he said he was going to come and take my man card because it said that, but. Say double on them, right? Dude, <laughs> keep, keep so, making them. So as Ty says, if we're being honest, Ty is the master brewer because yeah. as far as the inherent knowledge of the hops, the malt, the the fermentation process, and everything, you know, uh, he's taught me enough to be dangerous. But anytime I do anything, I ask him, "Will this work?" And and so ultimately, he, Ty is the master. Okay. It's, it's, it's interesting to know that, you know, Skyline is well-known in Southern Oregon, but you guys are still humble as hell. <laughs> like, Extremely like seriously, I just want you to know, like, you guys, I mean, those are makeshift, right? 
Um, th- th- they've made a lot of beer. <laughs> no, 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 but, but, but seriously, like, you, you definitely start from the bottom, and you guys have taken Southern Oregon to another level on beer. Like, you guys aren't bent, but you guys are Southern Oregon, and, and dude, you guys are taking it by storm. Like, Ashley ain't got nothing on you guys. I'm just going to say that. I told, oh, thank you. I told Ty that. He's like, dude, are you messing with me? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. He, he's like, are you messing with me? No, I mean, I'm serious. No, it's so I, I travel a lot. I travel a lot, and I am a very big stickler on beer. And Skyline, when I caught wind of it, I was like, dude, I need to get a piece of this. Just well, so and you guys, it, it's a great honor, and it, it's kind of a really weird thing, but it, it's very therapeutic at the same time because. Proverbially, in the ag world, you spend a lot of time under the tire, if you will. Right. And when you have another part of your life where you're kind of a folk hero to people, that's pretty rad. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing, when you grow up in, in the farm environment, I mean, farming is a thankless job. I mean, kind of like your job that you do. And thank you for what you do because... I mean, fashioning kids and helping kids get to be better people is an essential part of our world. And without people who give care and concern like yourselves, it, some look at it as a job and some people look at uh, things as a lifestyle. It's, it's more than a career. It's something you embrace. And so to have, you know, people like you do what you do, but, uh, you know, farming is we do what we do because, one, we love what we do. Um, other than we have our, our certain infringements on what we do that are beyond our control that we right. fight politically and it would be nice if we could strip politics out of everything because right. the world would be very pure. Right. Um, so, you know, when we, growing up in the farm environment, we're accustomed to being a thankless job and so it, it's kind of difficult for me when people go, and, and I'm kind of the... Uh, blind side of the the brewery typically people don't know who i am and to me that's fine i don't really want to be known um and i appreciate that but um i i want to know that i'm part of it for my own satisfaction i don't necessarily want people to you know a pet on the back feels good every now and then but i don't want to be you know put in the spotlight for what we do See, humble. Well, you call it what you want, but that's that's how I feel. So. I mean, you guys make great beer, great beer. So Thank keep you. it up. <laughs> I'm just all drink. Every time I'm down in the area, I'll drink. We surely appreciate that. Uh, okay, so my my question, like I, I graduated OIT, right? And one of the main reasons why you guys spotlight is because you guys are a huge supporter of the OIT uh, athletics. Now, how did you manage that? How did you manage that and also have the hustling owl on Um, your gear? Okay, so our motto is to make good beer, bring people together to enjoy it, and help improve our community. Right. And we give a lot of beer to a lot of different things, but that's to me, literally, is the funnest part of doing this. And so, yeah, we donated a lot of stuff to OIT. Um, through that, we got to know Justin Parnell, the head basketball coach. Okay. 
and he called like in February and they had an idea. It was like, hey, how do you like to make a beer called the Hustlin' Ale? I was like, hell yeah. Right. This is like what we're about here. So, um, the Pale Ale, you tried a little bit ago, Sky Squatch, at that point in time was developed as an all citra beer and Sky Squatch was the hypothesis test, okay, is it really safe to get married to citras on a beer? Um, and then everything kind of worked out pretty good and it was a couple months later and it was like, okay, if we're going to do a beer with Oregon Tech, this has to be a beer that 21-year-old who drinks natural light is going to enjoy. <laughs> this has to be a beer that the 70-year-old booster that drinks a beer every four months is going to enjoy. So it, it was like, hey, if the Sky Squatch is a beer 60% of people are really going to dig, but it's going to push a lot of people away. So um, we decided to make something quite a bit lighter, more approachable to a way bigger audience. And we actually got a good part of the OIT coaching staff across the board out here and gave them different blends of Pilsner and Skylight. Yeah. And then found what they liked there, then kind of sutured the recipes together. And the, the weird thing that I don't know what the right answer is to, um, although it's kind of frivolous to those of us who are really into craft beer, um, a lot, perception is reality. And a lot of people see the word ale and they're automatically afraid of it because they correlate it with like, a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale that's more bitter than a lot of people like. Yes. And, you know, I, I think just, I've got a couple ideas how to get it out there. And, you know, once people drink it, they're like, oh, this is actually really good. But um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, ultimately, failure is not an option here. Okay. So, so you said Parnell. I, I remember watching him. I was in college when he was playing and uh, probably... The loud, well, the loudest man because I got kicked out a few times. Yes. Got kicked out. <laughs> I only wish you guys had the beer back then because I don't know if Parnell told you. Back then, when we played ball, uh -huh. we there were parties in in the parking lot, just tailgate parties, and then every halftime, we would come back smash. Now the nightlife scene is. Horrible compared to when we went to school. I, I don't know. Like, we got to bring that back. Got to bring it back, man. I just wish this beer was there when <laughs> when I went to school. So it's pretty cool that you know. It's sad to say some people forgot how to have fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that that was when they had Waldo's, Nick's, oh, the yeah. Dollar Beer Thursdays. Were you around too? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Waldo's. Okay. Did you go to OIT? Um, I took a math class at OIT. Okay. Um, I actually went to Limbaugh Community College okay. and Oregon State University. Okay. What year did you? Uh, uh, I graduated from OSU in '01. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I graduated OIT in 2005. So yeah, definitely. That was the haze days, man. That was the good times. I, I'm not that type that like reminisces on the old stuff, but compared to now, that downtown is not hopping mm -hmm. at all. And, and people will sit and look at their phone 
and think that they're enjoying themselves. No. Mm-hmm. Even at the Mikey. No, and I think you have a lot of opportunity to kind of bring that vibrance back. Hopefully, it's going to take time, but you got to try. Right. So, with the farming and everything else, mm-hmm. and the home brewing, what made you say, "Let's go bigger"? Because you don't just wake up and like, "Okay, I want something." Bigger. Um, it was something that you know we kind of, I guess, talked about for a while. Um, and the smack you upside the head moment that really made this happen was we had what we called the takings case over the water shut up in 2001 and that was kind of our hopes and dreams that life was going to go back to normal and we're just going to be farmers again instead of fighting over water all the time Yeah, and often not getting it and it was late September of 2017 we lost the takings case and that was where the cold water was dumped on you that this may well not be okay and then the day after we were talking it was like okay we have other things we can do here and we better get with it and we started tearing the building apart the third uh, the second or third week in November of 2017 Okay, we got Levi, the oh. cellar man, assistant brew, or extraordinaire here. Yeah. You don't mind being on podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got our license. June 27th of 2018. Okay. So, as far as, like, the construction and everything, it, it wasn't so much construction, we'll call it more renovation. Um, like we said, we tore out the, the concrete in certain areas. We left as much as we could to kind of symbolize what was here before. Yeah. And uh, so from that, you always got to pay homage to your history, right? Right. So this is a 100-year-old building, and if it could tell stories, I'd love to hear half right, of exactly. Them. That's what I was going to say. Um, so anyways, the... The biggest part for like the the floor plan and everything is we're in a very small space. We only have an eight foot ceiling, which is very unconventional for most breweries. Correct. So the challenge was to to find equipment that we could put in here. So it kind of lends to smaller scale. Um, so I actually the the stainless steel that we use uh, I brought home with me from the island of Maui. Okay. It was actually destined for a scrap yard over there, and I got a screaming deal on it and brought it home, and we welded up some <coughs> holes and some cracks and all that kind of stuff. But um, I guess to, to go into the more brewing side, we tried to embrace the drink and brew as much as possible, but for a lot of our equipment, you know, we built our own keg washer that also serves as our CIP system. Um, and really tried to think outside of the box about how to solve the problems of day in and day out microbrewing. Um, and so we have a, a gentleman who works with us as well. His name's Derek Pallet. We refer to him as smart guy because he is one intelligent human being and can do things that most people would only dream to be able to do with electronics and mechanical design. And an Oregon Tech alum. And oh, Oregon Tech alum. 
he graduated as a, a mechanical engineer. Um, but he is handier in the pocket on a shirt. I mean, he can literally, you give him a, a, a task and try to figure it out, and he can usually come up with a solution. So. Okay, so with that commander in chief, does she enjoy the brewery side? Um, the funny thing, a lot of our beers. <laughs> Like, particularly the BCS and the apple pie were developed trying to make something my wife would like because she is not a beer drinker. And even BCS, she didn't like it. The apple pie, she does. But, no, she's been very supportive of stuff and very patient through a lot of things that a lot of them probably wouldn't be quite so much, but... I, I did awfully good in that deal. So I hear you. I hear you. So, would she, what does she enjoy the most—the farming side or the bird side? If it was my wife, I'd say neither. Nah, okay, okay. Um, that's a, a really tough question. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, like, the the rigors of farm life, you know, her parents both had normal jobs. Okay. And her getting used to the deal of, okay, there's points and times where you work 18 or 20 hours a day. That, that was kind of a tough one for her to get used to. Um, I, I did get a talking to a couple years ago about how I prioritized my family compared to the other things that I do. And I, I will say that was a behavior alter big time because pretty much most things my wife says, she's usually right about, so. Okay. Okay. All right, so you, you farm, you alfalfa. Alfalfa's huge around here. You do wheat and barley, right? Mm-hmm. The bulls and cattle, you were talking about uh-huh. bulls and everything else and how stressful it can be just like everything else. Can, can you explain the cattle, the commercializing cattle? Like, I, I read that and I, I was just wondering if you can explain what does that mean? Okay, so what we do in the cattle world, we are seed stock producers, so we raise bulls to sell to commercial producers. So your job there is to perpetually try to make better genetics that are going to make more higher quality meat with fewer inputs. And we have our, this year, the end of March this year, the last Saturday of March will be our fourth annual bull sale that we call the Basin Bull Fest. Okay. It's kind of a cool way to tie, you know, the brewery and the bulls together. So the very top end of our bulls will be sold in that. And then, kind of where I'm trying to go but you know again you have learning curves with everything you do is you know I'm all about local stuff and you know like I think back well I went there obviously but I kind of fantasize about you know how different the world was a hundred years ago when every town had its own brewery and well, okay, a little bit more than 100 years ago before Prohibition, but, you know, how fun it would be when every town had, 
you know, its own butcher shop, its own market, its own brewery that all had these very different flares to them. And I would like to see the world going forward become more localized again instead of the corporate monstrosity that most of our stuff comes out of now. So our animals that don't make the grade to be breeding animals, um, the first wave of those are about done finishing now and we'll market those to local people as locker beef. And then the ultimate goal would be, you know, if we can develop that and make that work, then figure out how to get them USDA processed. And if you could go to a local establishment and drink one of our beers and then eat a hamburger or a steak that was literally raised with the waste products from the beer, I think that'd be really, really cool. So I, I passed through a lot of cattle ranches in Eastern mm-hmm. Oregon. Are they as lucrative as it looks? Because every time I see a cattle ranch, that house is <laughs> gnarly. I'm like, wow, I want some of that. Um, <laughs> a, a lot of what you see, I think, is you know, farming and ranching. You're very asset rich, but cash poor all the time, okay. and like. A guy who actually farms in the Tri-Cities area told me once, um, it's weird when the, you know, on your balance sheet, you're, you're worth a million dollars, but you literally don't have a dollar to go buy a bottle of water with. And a, a lot of farming and ranching operations, although they appear fairly lucrative from the outside, that's a, a lot of... That's an that's a lot of accumulation so over a lot of generations would be my answer there. And it's not even just that in, in farming and everything. And you've got to remember that just because you have a million dollars worth of assets on your farm doesn't mean that you have a million dollars worth of equity in your gotcha. equipment as well. It, what, it, <clears throat> oh, but the, the part, so a, a friend of mine, uh, his name is John Burrell. He owned a company called Fusion Storm, and it, he ended up selling it. Uh, a little while back for about $250 million and his, his he told me one day he said his wife said the same thing when they owned the company that well we, we're worth all this money he said yes on paper but we don't necessarily have the, the cash flow of what that, that value is until we cash it out so, so where we live in Tri- well, where I live in Tri-Cities is it almost as if, you know, the cattle ranching, the farm community, is it almost as equivalent to keeping up with the Joneses? Especially with something that, I mean, it's, it's I've hard, seen some houses. It's hard because you, you look at the houses. Uh, a house is a status symbol, essentially, right? Okay. Yeah, correct. But you have generational capacities that go along with that. Because some of those farms and ranches up there that you see their, their houses and everything <laughs> have been in the families for a century. And so, like, we're technically we're third-generation farmers because our grandparents and our parents, and now we are farmers. That doesn't mean that we had the capacity of what they did for 100 years being a third-generation farm. I mean, mom and dad started farming in the late 1970s, and they started their own entity from scratch, um, you know, trying to, to work two jobs and, and, and start their own thing at the same time. And so the capabilities of them comparative to somebody who homesteaded 
here way, way back when, you know, in the early 1900s, I had a 50-year head start. And the generational side of that doesn't necessarily equate and all those different deals there is some of the, the localized things that you might see is somebody who has been well established in the area, taught their kids well about management and the hardships of being an entrepreneur and all that kind of stuff. And they, they did well. So I really appreciate this because this brings a whole nother aspect of the podcast and farming world and people like who listen they're city people, you know, they're people who adventure, they live in towns, and they don't get out much, but, dude, this brings a whole different aspect to it. So, well, please, if you want to bear, know about the hard knocks of life, I will tell bear, you. Bear with the, the Farming 101 questions, uh-huh. okay? Yeah, <laughs> and, and I really appreciate it, and Bring I'm pretty up. sure... What? It's yeah, it's still important. Yeah, it's still important. You are, you are right here? Yeah, you sure? Yeah, just making Those sure. Beers get to you already? No, I just didn't see it moving. Ty, Ty hooked us up though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been quiet this whole time, so it's like, what's going on? I'm enjoying it just as much <laughs> as the audience right now. <laughs> All right. So, so along with the, the, the farming, alfalfa, the weed, the barley, rapid fire, okay? Rapid fire questions, and it's not not yet. The What's easier to grow out of the, uh, out of the bunch? Wheat, barley, alfalfa? Um, probably the barley. Okay. Although malting barley... Is harder to grow. And he's tried to grow barley to use for the brewery a couple times. And the problem here is keeping the protein level down because the more protein you have, the less starch or extract you have. And protein is a byproduct of stress. So, especially in our arid climate, not putting enough of water to your crop Science. is, yeah. So it, it goes back agronomy essentially. Yeah, and you know, like I, I have joked a lot, but you know, okay, if you made, if you stayed alive for any amount of time in production agriculture, be it hay, cattle, what have you, you are very tough you are capable of doing a lot of different things well enough anyway and you're also exceedingly stupid for continuing to do it (laughs) which means your determination is through the roof and you know I've always joked that you know okay if you can stay alive as a farmer being a brewer really is not that hard tackle then, all of it. Well, then you go to actually doing it, though, and you find that there's different nuances of a brewer to a farmer that stretch you into capacities that, they're in farming, there's not a human element. So when you have to human, yeah. it's it's a completely different thing. What What's the easier out of the bunch, the harvesting? Uh... Alfalfa is probably definitely the hardest to harvest. So, I, I, I had we had a family friend out, out in Kino area that did alfalfa. What what is alfalfa for besides feed bunnies or? Um, actually, everyone loves their yogurt and their ice cream and their cheese and their pizza, and people don't think about where that protein actually started. And most of the alfalfa that gets grown in the Klamath Basin gets fed to dairy cows up and down the West Coast. 
that then becomes the cheese and the ice cream and all the other things that people enjoy. Or exported to foreign countries so it can become their ice cream and milk and cheese. Uh, (laughs) A lot of ours actually goes to Korea, some goes to China. Um, But the, the foreign export markets have really taken a shuffle for what they conventionally were for quite some time. And one thing I get throw in there, so like this year, okay, I'm a relatively small farmer, me and my commanding officer, and normally we make about 600 tons of hay a year. This year we got 60, because we have any water. Wow. So it's really weird when you're from a region that normally feeds a lot of the livestock other places. And the majority of the stuff that my cows are eating now got shipped here from the Wyoming Valley. It's Ooh, sick and twisted and not right. I'm in wow. the same boat because I usually put up about you know, probably, probably 1,700 ton of pay, and this year I didn't even put up 400. We uh, hashtag got our asses kicked this year. Yeah, I would, man, that's... And all this is yours, like every, all everything around here, or do you have? Other um, we kind of have stuff largely off of Old Midland Road and Crossroad okay. between me, him, and our, our parents. Okay. So nice. together we farm about fourteen hundred acres. I think so. So going back to the beer, real quick. When, when did you guys catch, I read on the website, when did you guys catch the craft beer fever? When? Um, okay, I was kind of, I've always been really fascinated by beer. I've always been a big fan of it. I don't want to know how many truckloads of Keystone Light and Keystone Miller Light. High Life I have rubbed out before. Okay, okay. Um, I would say really, I, I'm kind of an oddity. I didn't really get into craft beer until probably about the time I started homebrewing. Okay. And then... Uh, particularly um, I, I had heard I, I was not an IPA fan at all and I had heard about this enigmatic beer out of Bend called Boneyard RPM about 10 years ago and it was actually up there for a, a cattle sale and they had it at Applebee's in Redmond and I thought oh, I'll try it and I remember that I just wanted to shake it and smell it because it was so wonderful, and I became pretty um, transfixed with that beer, and I really wanted to figure out how to make something like it. But for you to say that, man, that's awesome. I, yeah. And so RPM did change the IPA market on the West Coast. Well, and, and I, people are being honest. And I have. A kid who I went to school with, that we were actually, our mom shared a hospital room when we were born, who was a bartender at Ben. And I remember we had a class reunion, and this was probably five years ago, and he went on this big rant about RPM's not even really an IPA, it's a red, but everyone thinks they can drink an IPA so they feel cool. And 
I thought, okay, and that is what you call absolutely brilliant marketing. It's a, it's a neat town because of, it's a very small something. It's like stepping into a small world at Disneyland kind yes, of thing. Yes, exactly. And so it, it's a great little town, and, and they make a fantastic product. Oh, so. yeah. Yes. So favorite beer? You said Boneyard. Is there uh, any other? Um, I would say my holy trinity... Boneyard RPM from six or eight years ago, that was awfully, awfully good. Uh, Breakside IPA is very good. Uh, Block 15 makes a lot of awfully good stuff, but um, if I have to pick one, I love Barley Browns and I love Pallet Jack. Okay, okay. And, um, you know, we actually we got invited to um, the the American Hop Conference in January of 2020. It was at the Crystal Ballroom in Portland. We were nervous as hell because you have no idea what to expect there. And you walk into the room and it's like, okay, every elite brewery in Oregon is there. Oh, and then there was us. And uh, after that got over with, like. I knew Tyler Brown was there, and he's a, a dude on a little different level to me. And after it got over with, we stood around and talked beer with him for probably two hours. And especially for what he's done, what he's accomplished, that is one of the coolest, humblest human beings you will ever second, meet. I second that. <laughs> And I still want to go. He he said that he has a crack in his old brew kettle and he can't use it. And I really want to go weld it for him too. Okay. So I need to do that one of these days. Nice. Okay. All right. I really hope you guys know that you sell yourself short. You guys make fantastic beer. So, what's your favorite beer here? Here. Not number one. On selling what, on what day? On what day? Any given day. Like, what's your go-to? See, that's the thing is you don't really around here have one given day. Emotions change day to day. Sky Squatch. Okay. It it depends on the day. That's kind of the liability of having a brewery is that you can walk in and pretty much pick anything that you want without consequence. It's it's almost a liability. And I guess, you know, for me, I I like them all a lot. I probably gravitate the most to whatever's the most different at the time because, frankly, I've drank a lot of all of them before. Okay. But then, you know, like, you'll be cruising along and, you know, like, I haven't drank a lot of RBA for quite a while, and that's one that I'm really enjoying a lot now, so. Okay. Yeah, I, I had my first week here by the way and the longest time because I'll drink until one day I drink too much and end up here. 
picking it up. And I just want you to know, that was the first wheat beer since 2018. <laughs> April 2018, let me tell you. It was good. It was good. I could throw down with that apple pie, too. Yeah, the apple pie is good. So, um, so with the farming, mm-hmm. how many days a week does the average farmer so, like I said, it's <laughs> farmers one hundred and one. Like I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm, I'm very interested, and in, there's a question towards the end that will catch you off by surprise. But I really wonder how things work. So that's down the list. So seven days a week. Um, and I would one thing that it, farming is a seven day a week deal. The one thing that I kind of miss in the post brewery era, if you will, is normally. You kind of get the harvest wrapped up in September, early October. The cows would be turned out, and you know, October and early November usually it's pretty mellow, and you don't have a whole lot going on. And in the world where you farm and brew both, it just it never slows down even a little bit. But you know. Normally farming, you know, spring and summer definitely your busy seasons, and you have a lot of times then where you do work sixteen or eighteen hours a day, seven days a week. Okay, so that that was gonna that was gonna be my next question: hours a day. And you know, I think there's two core things that bind people to agriculture. Number one is they're too damn stubborn to work for someone else. True. And two, I can agree. You know, Just you do. My line of work, like said. You, you do a lot of very miserable things farming, but you know, like when you have a new calf born or the grain starts coming up out of the ground, that's and that you contributed to making that happen. That's a very, very deeply fulfilling thing in your life that tragically not very many people ever get to experience. Okay. I mean, it's, it goes hand in hand, like you were saying. Right. So, free time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was going to be a question, a laughing question, but like, do you have free time? Um, okay, with that. Okay, I don't really have very much free time whatsoever, but if I did have free time, I would either want to spend it with my cows or making beer. So from that standpoint, I'm a very blessed person because my two things that I'm exceedingly passionate about, I get to do every day. With that, I'm always cursed because if I was smart, I'd just pick one of them instead of chose the uh, let's just be busier than hell and go 10 million different ways all the time. And, you know, that's one thing I always have to remind myself is uh, although life never slows down even remotely, um, 90% of the stuff that I do is stuff that I enjoy doing. I mean, you just had a hunter right here. You go outdoors and hunt and everything else. Um, once upon a time, I enjoyed doing stuff like that. Then came a wedding ring and children and a mortgage, etc. So family. Family is the... And, okay. 
But the, the neat part about stuff like this, though, is you get to bring your kids to work day okay. pretty much any time that you can. And so being able to teach your kids the different things about how things work especially. Okay. It's kind of like uh, the other night, the starter went out on one of our, our four-wheelers, and so me and my daughter rolled it in the garage, tore the thing apart, tore the starter apart to see if we could fix it. We needed new brushes, <laughs> couldn't fix it, so we had to order a new one. But getting to teach the next generation about everything that goes into yeah. things like from fermentation science to how what is alpha amylase, how does it work, what are starches, what are how does hydrolysis work, so and so forth. It's a lot different than you know, raising kids on the farm than it is in the town or city. Oh, for sure. And it, it's quite, I envy that life because those kids are innocent, you know, the kids that you guys are raising and they're all wanting to know the getting your hands dirty instead of, oh, let's be on the phone, let's do this. Oh, they still have their phones. Well, probably not as much as our kids. Uh, we're not going to this, but yeah, they, they still have their phones. Yeah. Okay. Is it the new age? Thing, you think? And I mean, I think one thing that's really got lost in the world is okay, at the end of the day, you know, we need food and we need shelter to survive. And people have got to where they've taken that so for granted that, you know, that's one thing to me that's really special is you know I've always looked at well this is kind of joking but kind of serious is you know if everything ever goes totally sideways and you're in a world with no money with a infinitive supply of beer and steak you're probably in pretty good shape (laughs) but um the oh you're good so we have a Todd Cook from TMK Creamery up in Canby here. If you're up in the Willamette Valley, they uh, do stock lots of Skyline beer there. Okay. Have some uh, pretty killer cheese. Again, that's TMK Creamery in Canby. Okay. No, no, you're good, man. We do a lot of cheese. Um, Let me grab the chair. Yes. Sorry. No, you're good. Oh, you're good. All the way from Canby, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, the more the merry (laughs) but you know I wish the world would remember what's real and what's really important a lot more and you know food shelter and family if you got those covered well you're probably in pretty good shape so what gives you guys the drive I mean to do the most things that you guys do what gives you the drive every day you said you know it's warding in its way you know growing seeing things grow seeing your calf be born that kind of thing but what gives you guys the drive to wake up every day cattle you know the farming life when you realize that you're only here for a certain amount of time you'd better make the most of it no and your perspective in life kind of changes I would say one thing you know our parents literally started farming from nothing they weren't born into it and when we were young we were well fed but 
we didn't have a whole lot back then and just getting up and going at it every day and the work ethic that gets built into you doing that is really invaluable and you know you, you get a little bit older and you, you kind of start I, I anyway look at life more from a perspective of okay we're trying to cultivate the people who are going to carry forward what we're passionate about either when we're too old to do this or we're not here to do this anymore so do you guys do pregame? you guys have a ritual daily ritual no 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 really Um, my my ritual is called triage disaster okay Uh, and and uh, we're kind of blurring the clean lines here, but uh, my motto in life is um, I piss on whatever keg is closest to the powder, or whatever fire is closest to the powder keg. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and um, my wife asked me a lot in the morning when I'm going to go outside what I'm going to do, and I told her figure out what I need to do and then do it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, what's your favorite thing to do? on the farm to work on like the one thing they're like oh crap I'm going to do it I'll get it or I mean do you guys have those moments uh, this is going to sound really weird so we have a big feed mixer that you put all your different hay and the brewery products and stuff in and loading the mixer is one of my favorite things because it's got basically it, it, it's pretty much a 700 cubic foot blender with two blades in it and just sitting there and watching everything get chopped down and mixed together, I don't know why that is so utterly mesmerizing to me, but I, I can sit there and watch it for an hour without getting bored. So it's not amateur hour. I actually did bring up a good question. <laughs> <laughs> because, man, I was all like, I wonder if these guys will laugh at me. No. I, I'm trying. To, I'm still trying to think in mind if I have a, a favorite thing that I go. Yes, I want to do this. Um, I don't know. There's there's so many parts that I do look forward to, and then there's parts that I dread. Um, you know, trying to try find the better side of things. Though. Okay. Better side, better side. <laughs> yeah. I so pick. <laughs> Uh, picking up bales of hay out of the field, yeah. we we run what's called a, a harrow bed or a bale wagon for little bales, and um, there's something about picking up bales and making stacks out of them, and setting yeah. them down by the hay shed and everything. That that's probably the one thing that I enjoy doing the most. How how many pounds is a bale? It de- it depends on what kind of hay it is. What do you guys run? So our alfalfa bales, usually when they're going for uh, a market outside of town, we're shooting for 135 pounds. Can you pump all those? No. no. Oh, I'm no. about to say, I'm like, no. Hydraulics and diesel do the majority of the work. <laughs> We've thrown a few of them around. So when, when you screw up, though, you get to do what we call 60 bale pickup. And so it's, it's uh, pretty much your concession of error that you have to do some physical hardship okay. for your mental incapacity. Okay, so like kind of that's your guys' uh, form of hazing. 
self-inflicted hazing. <laughs> it's like hazing yourself, though, okay. right? So, so how far north does your beer go? Um, so TMK Creamery and Camby, they, I think, have about everything that we make there. Other than they don't have liquid vacation because they had some problems with having a two drinkable eight and a half percent beer there. <laughs> um, we have, um, and I'm sure will again in the future, um, General Duffy's up in Redmond has had her beer before. And, you know, that's really fun because, you know, when you're in Klamath then you kind of have this magical power that's one thing, but when you send your beer to a really, really crowded market where you're just another handle and it sells really, really good, that's kind of a trip, we'll say. Okay. So, Redman Candy. And, well, and we got to throw the uh, Grand Hotel and Burns in there as well. Okay. They have a really cool little venue. Matt, you got any questions? Uh, Bottling? Cannery? Um, okay, we thought about bottling and canning quite a bit. Um, then you kind of go start looking at the reality of it and go, okay, the can market is really crowded. Your price point is actually lower in a can than it is in a keg. And then... Um, you've got to buy the can for 25 cents, then you have a ton of labor into canning. Um, th that gets kind of unattractive. It's something that we still do talk about. I think there's definitely some ways that you can make that work, so I wouldn't totally rule it out going forward. But for right now, we really like the draft-only deal. One, it it's a really good way to regulate your product quality um, nothing ever gets very old and um, another thing you know something that you can have just every day after a while you get tired of it and when largely people either go to a restaurant or a bar that has our beer or you know they go buy a growler of it somewhere you know, that kind of helps you be something that people are going to stay excited about when they get the opportunity to have it. So, you know, for now, that's kind of where we are, but... We, we designed our own canning line, and, you know, the thing is when we're dealing with 1,300-square-foot space for the brewery, and all of its capacities, space is very, very limited. Without trying to add on, you know, it would it could be potentially cumbersome. But we did design a, a small scale canning line, um, but for a lot more of the attributes Ty was talking about, it's not really a, a super feasible thing for us to look at doing right now. Um, if we were to do so, it would be to design a beer, ideally specifically for canning and try to hit the nuance of what the majority of people would like. Um, but as far as, like, he was, and I, I agree exactly with what he said, getting our beer out to the audience that will appreciate it for what it is, the draft market, and especially with the, the awesome local uh, restaurant 
tours that we have that have been over backwards to work with us. Um, it's a lot better to facilitate their needs for a local product that mixes with their cuisine and everything instead of trying to take somebody's fishing trip or somebody's something that they're going to take beer to. You know, if, if they need beer for that, we we definitely do cake sales and everything for all that. But we, it's a lot easier to do it in a draft scenario. Yeah, you guys are doing pretty well. I mean, you got two people picking up stuff here. Camby and what was the other guy? Um, the younger guy. Doug. Uh, that was Levi. He helps me. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 All right. I mean, you guys are pretty well. You guys are at the one you're running. Why? I mean, you got the yeah. going there. You're at the tap house, right? Yeah, I, I think mean, we, we're at almost 20 locations now yeah. around the basin. And, and that's like... You know, I can't give enough thanks to the people locally who carry our product because um, they're supporting two local guys that do our local thing and really embrace our, our town and our community. And we want to see not only local people, but people who come into town, you know, that stay at Rang want to go play golf, have a, a sample of our beer and see what they think about it. And, you know they they take a chance on us and so we are ever grateful for those people that support us and uh, again you know getting to be kind of an active participant in the community like for real my favorite brewery related day this year um we got to donate all the beer for the junior livestock auction at the fair and uh at wholesale costs, we went through about $1,200 for the product, but uh, there were a lot of really happy people in the sale annihilated the all-time record, so nice. if that had a small part to do with it, that was pretty cool. You guys do the celebration, the, the uh, 4th of July, right? You um, that, you so we have our anniversary party is usually the 3rd or 4th week in June, and then... Um, the, the brewing queue is the usually about the 10th of July in there and that event literally made us so it's really really special to us because like the, the first time we went we snuck into it because we did not have our license when he needed to register and we had this huge line of people all day and all night and then and then they all went back to where they hang out and we're like you need to get this beer and it went from begging people to take our stuff to the phone started ringing so th th that was pretty cool so any events brew events coming up whether ben eugene portman um, we've applied to go to ben brew fest before and they didn't want us we're still a little pissed and bitter about that <laughs> is that not too hipster um I so think. Oh, okay. So, what we did in collaboration with the Klamath County Economic Development Association and a bunch of other people, um, we had the first annual Klamath Oktoberfest in 2019. And that was, that's, I, I really look forward to where that goes as a community event going forward. And kind of the deal there was. Okay, um, let's 
build and make something greater than Ben Brewfest someday, hopefully. And I know that might be a fantasy, but you got to have goals. Um, try the uh, Tri Cities has a, a brew, a brew and bacon, but they got some good brew brews there. Uh-huh. You might want to try that out. I know you guys are in Climate Falls, but you know it's not too far. <laughs> taking, on, taking on new venues is, is always fun. Just uh, something again, man. I'm, I'm pretty so sure Tri Cities would love you guys. From the first Oktoberfest, Old 99 over in Roseburg came over to participate in that, and it w- that was just a, a fantastic event. And uh, you know, we were kind of a hometown guys and everything, so we we might have won uh, the People's Choice Award from the Oktoberfest. Okay. Um, and so AJ at old ninety nine at the point in time he uh, he said you guys need to come over to brew ha ha in Roseburg, and it's been canceled two years in a row. Okay. Yeah, at least to my next question. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, what's worse, the water crisis or COVID? Uh, they both suck. <laughs> right. right. Like, Damn. The, the thing <laughs> is, though, is like as far as relationship wise. COVID is essentially what we've been facing in the water world for the last, ideally, 25 years. You're just locked out of what you normally do, and you don't know how to deal with it. And you don't don't know what your capacities and capabilities are until the exact day that it comes to see what variant is the outbreak and whether you can do what you want or or desire to do. But if... I had to pick one. The the water crisis locally is way way more devastating than COVID ever thought of being. How long has that been? We have they been dealing with that because I know like in the nineties dealing with it, eighties dealing with it. So and it's been over what fifty hundred years. No, it kind of it's been since nineteen ninety two was the first curtailment of water in the okay. time of face. And to kind of quickly paraphrase. From a farmer's perspective, for almost 30 years, the federal government has prioritized fish over farmers in the Klamath Basin. And, Kate, if it had done anything to improve the state of the species, I I could get it. But we've done the same thing for almost 30 years now. It hasn't helped the species at all but it has devastated this community. And, and to put that into a, a total context of time, you know, you think 30 years, and a lot of people look at 30 years and go, well, what, what's that? And I was sitting actually this morning thinking about it going, in 30 years, a child could be conceived, raised, reared, graduate high school, graduate college, and be a scientist on the problem that we are facing. But, but what How is the long is that? I'm just saying, he smile. Sorry, it's fair. So, so, all right, so pick one stout, IPA, sour, porter, pilsner. I know you're right. IPA, 10 ways to Sunday. Even though you weren't an IPA guy. That's a good one. Um, I was told um, once you get into IPAs, you're ruined because nothing else will have enough flavor for you, and I think that's true. Favorite beer? Uh, Stout, IPA, sour, porter, pills. Oh, pills, 
real. So oh, you, so you look like a Bills guy. Like, so, not, not, it's no. not negative. I'm just saying, like, no. I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah, Bills are something that's it's, soft. Uh, is John Walsh soft. from, the, who was at one point not, in time. Not like that, though. Not like that. John Walsh like that. was the head brewer at Maui Brewing Company one time, and he said, it's not a commitment beer. So I, I got to gravitate to the Bills because it's not a commitment beer. Okay. So my fans or my listeners will love this. I need to know the ratio of peanut butter and Billy sandwich. So mine, you can tell the personality of a person by the way they make their peanut butter jelly sandwich, okay? Fair Mine's 80-20, no matter what, crunchy. Everybody's like, crunchy, creamy? No. 80-20, peanut butter to jelly. I'm 60-40. So, so <laughs> yeah. And he, he thinks it's a back... Uh, You're back like a dry martini, bro. <laughs> right. So I, I hate to go Bill Clinton on the scenario, but is it peanut butter and jelly, or is it peanut butter jelly? Whatever. I don't uh, Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. I was, it depends I, on what your definition is. you got to put the word is, is in there. I, I lived in yeah. D.C. when he was president, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's say peanut butter and jelly. If it's peanut butter and jelly, then you have to go 51% peanut butter, 49% Okay, and then um, my motto in life is go big or go home. I am a 50-50 guy, but I probably put enough of both on there to kill a laboratory animal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. So, um, have you ever had those two answers before? No, that's why I'm like, wow, that's that's the, that was very specific. Yes. So I'm getting all the, the, the real questions out. Favorite Adam Sandler movie, that's another staple. I know you're like, what the hell, Nick? People think it's weird, but they actually enjoy it. It was corny, but I really like Pixels. Okay. Really? Nice, yeah. That's a new yeah. one. That's a new one, yeah. New one. That is a new one. Uh, I like I, I, I'm happy Gilmore all day. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> all right, you know what's another staple, man? What's the that? Rogan just shoots. We got to put that in there. It is. So if you had to pick two that night, Overrated. They, I believe they know that. <laughs> I, I really do because I say it a lot. Um, wh- which one do, would you want to go drinking at? Rogue or Deschutes? Well, if you're in that area, that's your best source of alcohol. So you could go both. Debatable. Um, <laughs> I. I uh, we got pretty drunk at Rogue one day. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Who hasn't? I've got to say, I have a lot of reverence for Deschutes. I mean, you know, they were pioneers. And, you know, like you think about hops and like, okay, literally Cascade changed the world. Because before that, hops were basically a little bitterness in the background of a light lager. And that you had Cascade which Sierra Nevada and Deschutes went, okay, this hop is special. We're going to make a beer around it. You think how much that changed the world. And without Cascade and Deschutes and Sierra Nevada, I would argue there literally would be no Citra today. Okay, okay. So with that, 
51. Cascadia, Centennial, Simcoe, Citra, and Mosaic. Um, I know what you're going to say. Uh, I, I, Actually, no. I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> um, I, I, I like to dabble with all the above. Um, if I had to pick one hop to live with for the rest of my life, it would be Citra because that is such a unique hop. It by itself makes a very, very good beer. Yeah. And, you know, th they all have their things and they all have their place. I have a very special place in my heart for citrus, though. There's their marital blend of the citrus mosaic, though, that okay. is just, it, it can bring, it. it's like two parents yielding a child. It can bring out the best of a lot of hops that you throw in with it. It's kind of like we had the light IPA that was a citra mosaic and then thrown meridian which is typically a very lemony you know citrusy kind of hop and all of a sudden here's just this boom lavender out of it and you go what the hell yeah, was it and okay it, that's fantastic thank you and you know <laughs> citra and mosaic i'm very fond of and it, like he kind of touched on there it is mind-numbing how differently those two hops behave with what the third player is because like you talked about the light APA that was really lavendery then you have liquid vacation that is Cedra Mosaic and Strata and you have this stone fruit mango-y tangerine bomb Favorite watering hole in Climate Falls? There are a lot of awful good ones here. Um, I would encourage you guys, the audience, to come check them all out because they all have their thing. Um, the Chicken Shack literally was our first account. Their food's awesome. They have every beer that we make there. So um, with a lot of honorable mentions to a lot of great establishments, I, I probably have to go with that one. You said future beers, you don't have to tell secrets, but you don't have to go there. So, but you do have future beers to look forward to. Yeah. Okay. Always, yeah. always prototyping. You always got to play around and see what you can make work. Okay. No. And, and think outside the box. Right, right. Okay. And, and, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. And I mean, with that one thing, I would say it's kind of an unintended consequence of being a commercial brewer is when you're a home brewer, the fun of it is if we do this, this, and this, what's going to happen? And then when you get to a world where basically you make the same six things as consistently as you can over and over, that does get kind of redundant. And I would love to do a lot more different stuff, but the sheer mechanics of you need tap handles and what have you, and what if it flops, you know, it, we got to kind of try and find that balance where you still have the creativity that brought you to this in the first place. And stuff that's marketably approachable by a certain demographic is definitely a liability. Because uh, uh, people aren't always willing to try their things. Okay, so with that said, for the listeners that come through Climate Falls just to get past 97, you know, the drive on 97 because it's an easy way to get to, you know, California or an alternative way than the hectic I-5. 
what beer recommendations would you like? What would you have somebody try of yours? First thing, IPA, RBA, RBA. And uh, RBA is our most popular beer locally, anyway. Um, it's got elements of both an ESB and a German Oktoberfest, and where it works really good for our market, which is very heavily Coors Budweiser drinkers. It's smooth enough that the Coors Budweiser crowd likes it, but it's complex enough that um, a, a craft beer connoisseur will enjoy it. Um, and it's kind of the inverse of an IPA. IPAs are about the fun flavors you can make with hops. RBAs are about the fun flavors you can make with all Oregon grown malts. So, so I have three questions. I know you're in a time crunch. So I, I've always wanted it's the Farmers 101, okay? Because I've traveled all my life, Army brat, Army myself. You know, I've always wanted to know when I travel, I end up in the most remote, secluded areas. Lots of farms along the road, right? How does one survive without a grocery store? Without what? A grocery store, a convenience oh. store for like 50, 100 miles down the road. I mean, it might sound like... I, I think a lot of those people, Costco was one of the cooler things that was ever invented. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know like a lot of people in the remote towns, yeah. they'll go to somewhere they can shop and really royally stock up about every month or six weeks. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask. They, they do salt, salt and sugar. Salt and sugar. Oh, okay. that, that, that goes back to the they basics of that, what you right? need. Yep. Some still do that, salt and sugar. It takes a strong woman to do that lifestyle, too. There's some very, very strong women out there. Okay. So very self-sufficient. They also probably hunt their land, too, because they can't, Yeah, right? For sure. Okay. And we still hunt ours. And, like, my parents, they don't buy hardly any vegetables. My mom grows and cans them all. So so is is it more difficult or easier than I make it seem, or as I'm asking? Is the lifestyle easier or difficult? If you've done it forever, it's probably easy. Um, As far as, you know, it's the learning curve of how to preserve your own foods how to grow your own foods. You know, it's like I was saying, the the inherent knowledge that we want to pass on to our kids is self-sustenance and the knowledge base to know how to raise your own proteins, raise your own carbohydrates, uh, raise your own fiber. And not bad, bad. we're almost done. I just wanted uh, to, to let you guys know, like the kind words really want you guys to know that Southern Oregon, you guys possibly the best brew in Southern Oregon, period. That's, that's fighting Ashland, that's fighting, you know, on the Eastern State. That's a pretty I, big compliment. I, I want you guys to understand that because I like, I don't just go to the big breweries and like, oh man, this is good stuff. No, I don't even ask for them. I go to smaller venues, the, the, you know, the mom and pops, the, the, the ones that that if I don't enjoy it, I'm not going to go there, you know what I mean? So I, I just want you guys to know that this possibly is the best brew in Southern Oregon. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yes, and, and hopefully you guys believe me because, man, I, I I do my research before I travel and I'm always like, okay, this one, okay, this one. And I've made a living doing that, you know, traveling and everything else. So I, I appreciate you guys having us here. 
And um, what, last thing, what is, I, I'm old school, guys, so. Um, if, if you went in town, right, how can I be able to purchase straight from the brewery? Um, okay, so as far as our merchandise goes, if you go to our website, we have a shop tab on there. And kind of our goal with merch is brand building. So our t-shirts and hats and sweatshirts cost what they cost to make them. Yeah, I think a, t a t-shirt's like $17, a hat's like $12. Um, and you know, it's from my perspective anyway, or our perspective, <laughs> you know, when, like, I remember the first time I was driving down South 6th Street in Klamath Falls and saw a car that I had no idea who that was with the Skyline sticker on it that was just, whoa. And that people are willing to wear your, your logo around, that's pretty humbling. So, and like people that are traveling through here, if you go to our website, my phone number's on there, and um, hit me up, and you know I usually ask people what they're kind of in the mood for, food-wise, and what kinds of beers they like, and kind of try and match up them to you know where they're gonna have a good experience. Well, I appreciate your guys' time. Seriously, thank you for your oh, well, like seriously. I, one day I'll come back and just want to drink with you guys. Okay, that would be cool. <laughs> or, you know, just have a beer. We can facilitate and, and that shoot, request. You know, but I really appreciate it. I appreciate the time. And uh, this definitely is an eye-opener. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to enjoy the, the farming life, you know, the, the information you guys give them. No, and, you know, one big challenge that the ag industry has is you know, for a long time I thought urban people were hostile towards agriculture. I, I've come to more, it's, they're, they just don't know a whole lot about it and are kind of apathetic about it. And rural America is in crisis right now, in a very real crisis. And if we let the big boys win and monopolize food production and ship it here from foreign countries, we're screwed. And I, I guess kind of one parting thing on the beer front, you know, we are all about local and all of the malt that we use is grown in Oregon. Um, our base malt is actually all grown here in the Klamath Basin. And then um, we buy all of our specialty malt from Mega Grade of a Madras. They're a family farm with their own malting facility and their stuff is very expensive, but it's even better than any German malt you're gonna find, in my opinion. And then 90% of the hops we use um, are grown in the Willamette Valley, and uh, other than Citra and Mosaic, those you just are thankful to get them, but every other hop that we use was grown in the Willamette Valley. So we're pretty, uh, Pure Oregon. Well, I appreciate you guys' time. Seriously. Okay, it, it was a great honor to have you, and thanks for the test. Honors on honors. That was great. Well, thank you. You guys are welcome here anytime.
definitely will be back. <laughs> sure. I, I will. If you want to do Skyline Podcast Round 2, we'd be totally up for that. Oh, okay. Heck yeah. We have a lot more material we can talk about than what we had yeah. time to get to today. No, you're good. You're good. You know, just you making time and me being late because of... Okay. Yes. I appreciate the time. <laughs> Seriously, and the listeners are going to love it, and thank you guys. They're going to want more, though. I'm not telling you, they're going to want more. Okay, we'll be happy to do her. Okay. So after listening to that episode, one thing I wanted to touch on again was they said they usually put up like 600 tons worth of hay, and they only did 17 60. or 60? 60. 60. 60. So Rock. that was... I mean, right. that's... A 90% decrease yeah. in production. And that is, that just goes to reiterate how hard this year was for all the farmers around. Like, I just spent the last year working in irrigation, doing center pivot work. And so I got to know a bunch of farmers around the area in Tri Cities, Oregon, Her- Hermiston, all the way out to Hepner, almost down to La Grande. And everyone who did dry land wheat farming, had to take an insurance check on their land because it just didn't grow. There wasn't enough rainfall, not enough water, not enough moisture. They just couldn't physically get the wheat to grow up. And I think that also plays into some of the increased prices we're seeing in the grocery store this year. Don't, yeah. yeah. So I, I feel for Ty and Rye with mm-hmm. having that 90% hit. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's full circle. So if the wheat if the wheat doesn't grow, that means the food doesn't grow. That means the food that we feed the animals to grow, they don't grow either. So mm-hmm. it just keeps a chain reaction, you know. And I'm sure everyone's <laughs> noticed if you're if you eat meat, you've noticed the price of pork skyrocketing. Doubled overnight. It doubled overnight. The bacon. The bacon is can't even afford bacon anymore. Oh uh, man, twenty seven dollars for a flat of bacon. Yeah. Twenty seven dollars. I was gonna pick up some bacon for the yeah. cabin this weekend and mm-hmm. I passed on it. I got sausage instead. Sausage yep. cheaper, huh? Oh dude. It was yeah. two for seven, whereas bacon was ten bucks for yeah. a single pack. For a half a pound. Yeah. Yes. I was like, no, I'm passing on that. It's I'll get so two good. things of sausage. Man, I'm, I'm so, so yeah, with that six hundred tons, he he only got sixty. Cool. Six hundred tons. Now, okay, I've been in five-ton trucks, right, or military uh, right. vehicles, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Dang, that that's a lot of poundage, man. <laughs> and, 600 tons is like haystack upon haystack correct. upon haystack. But, the, but, but, like, put it in perspective, though, like 600 tons to 60 tons. That's too much of a loss right there. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, well, I mean, we're... How do the animals get fed? Right. Where, where does it come from now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then and I mean, because we're still shipping our a lot of our hay gets compressed, yeah, packaged and yep. shipped overseas to China. Right. And that, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one good thing about Washington and Oregon is we grow grade A hay. Yeah. And they'll, like Dwayne said, they'll compress it into a shipping container, put it on a boat, and send it over. Yeah. For all that wagyu beef and all that stuff they have going over there, which is delicious. Oh yes, it, it I'm not. Is. I'm not bagging on wagyu no. or is. whatever. It is. It's just, it's hard for the local guys to keep their cows fed, keep their pigs yeah. fed, and make the eggs and the milk that we depend on and then, if there's nothing here. And then Rye, with his 1,700 tons, <laughs> cool. uh, right. of, to only get 17, 
that's just not enough. It, no, across the board, farmers scary, are, are, are they're it's scary. The insurance companies are starting are going to have to start paying out even more. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know what that means? Your premiums are going to go up. Yeah. That means they're going to have to pay more into the insurance because they know at the next end of the year, if the rain continues to do what it does, or they don't get enough uh, <clears throat> foliage coming in, then yeah. what do we do? What are you going to do? Yeah, it's hard. It is, and you know that that's just what fascinated me the most out of that whole conversation you know them allowing me to talk farming or ask Mm -hmm. them questions and about the farming world because man honestly like i said in on that episode i see a lot of farms and i'm like i don't know how people could make it i don't know how people can live like 100 miles away from the nearest you know town civilization it's 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 wild it's wild. Uh, it's very wild. It's last very thing, wild. last thing I have on farming is people say that a uh, you know like a farmer will have millions of dollars in assets, mm-hmm. but he's broke on paper. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the I, bank says you're broke. <laughs> he's like, look at my millions of dollars worth of equipment out here. Yeah, uh-uh. it's just the way it all balances out, and it's they have to put that money in to grow the potatoes, to grow the corn, to grow the wheat. It just, it's rough. I'm glad they entertained that conversation too, man. Me too. I'm glad they actually went into a little bit more in depth about yeah. showing people, hey, it just doesn't magically show up on your plate no. or on the table or no. in the grocery store. It has to come from somewhere. Yeah. Then it has to go to a place to get uh, ser- uh, serviced or processed. processed. They got to wash it. They got to store it. And then they got to send it to Lamb Weston to get washed and peeled and cut into your fries and your tater tots and all that stuff I mean, and then they yeah. gotta bag it they gotta freeze it they gotta ship it out and that's just for a potato i mean paramount farms they do 80 percent of the world's pistachios and that's down in my hometown yeah, yeah. on the outskirts of my hometown they go on Baco. Yep. but you know i mean they it's it's amazing on how big of a process it is and how many people they have hired on mm-hmm. and how far everything reaches right i mean because you can look on a bag of peanuts right now and see you know lost hills california bakersfield yeah. california you know see where it was yeah you know, where, where the farm was where, yeah. where it came from right. look it up on online and you can see everything right okay i just sometimes feel for the farmers because the, a lot of the times the insurance companies rates are way too high for them to actually get mm. the really good insurance to actually cover their crops yeah. right i mean then they may be able to pay for their seed that yeah. they originally put in the ground but what about the fuel? What about the maintenance? What about the labor right. that well, went into growing that? Well, one of the things that down there they're struggling in that Klamath Basin is mm-hmm. the water. Uh, the water rights. They've been fighting that. And that's what he was talking about. A lot of those uh, things that uh, a lot of the legislated that they lost that he was talking about was water. And uh, can't can't do much without water. So that's why yeah. I was like, that's why I asked him, like, what sucks more, COVID or the water crisis, you know? And yeah, it's it, water, it, water yeah. crisis. Whether, whether it was a, a joke question, it wasn't really a joke question or an yeah. answer, you know? Well, so, I mean, it, that's why most of the land down in my hometown is getting sold off for housing because right. there's no water in California right. at all. So yeah. you can't get water there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so uh, the, uh, the beers, though, I don't think they uh, talk too much about the beers, man. The the hustling ale, that was the hustling owl. That's what got me into this because I'm like, dude, for someone to have the hustling owl, what interests me more was the 
or got me into that brew line or the brew company was the Hustling Owl. It's the local college team, basketball team. Okay. That I watched during, you know, my my college years and got uh you know, kicked out a couple times. But <laughs> it, it, it's pretty cool to have a, a local brewer have the rights to use the Hustling Owl, you know. And that is I, nice. That yeah, is really yeah, cool. yeah. So I was like, man, how did you get that? You know, and so I asked him and he told me. And it was, it was pretty cool, man, because the days that we were there, man, that town was hustling and bustling, man. Was it? Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. That, well, that's where I met Tracy, you know. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> the nightlife was, was good. Now it's like, Blah blah, and that's what we talked about on the episode. Yeah. You know, so, really, yeah, yeah. But I what mean, was that the college town just kind of died down, or that, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I honestly, I don't know because they had so many places to go out and just have a good old time. Now it's like nothing, nothing at all, and that's not an exaggeration, man. And you, you know, it, that's what we talked about on the episode and everything else. But guys. There was this they, – they, they gave us a few testers and everything else, right? The Liquid Vacation Double IPA, man. It's – the LVA is that they call it. It's 8.5% with an ADIBU. It, it's smooth. And it's everywhere you can get, like, you know, go to in that region. I need to bring it up here. That yeah. is good. That yeah. good, huh? I just got to say – Safeway and Albertsons will bring in some local small craft <laughs> right? brews, and they will stock them on the shelf every week. So, so yeah, and, and then then he had then he had me try a Doppelbach beer. It's been fermenting in a keg <laughs> since day one. Okay. Okay. And when tasting it, uh-huh. the media. How long has it been since day one? I, 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 I'm thinking six years, Ooh, five, cool. six years. It's been in that keg and just settling, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, first thing, I was like licorice. Second thing, I was like, "Where's the Red Bull?" Third, I was like, "That's <laughs> that's scary stuff. That's that's good, but scary stuff." Oh, and man. what what they have there, man, it is. It's fantastic. <laughs> I just hope one day that you guys can go down there with me and experience what, you know, what they showed and put on for us, man. That was great. I'm excited to get down there and see how they brew beer with an eight-foot ceiling limit. Yeah. Well, because a lot of those tanks you see in other breweries are 10, 12-foot tall. Yeah. So they must they must have really figured out how to make that stuff fit and make it work. Yeah. And, and, and Rye... As much as he doesn't want to be on the, you know, the uh, light, have mm-hmm. the light on him. Yeah. Dude, he's the mastermind of the building, of where things go, how things are about, mm-hmm. welding this, welding that. And then the other guy, man, Ty. Ty. You put them together, you got try. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. The, the master taste tester you know i would say that they are both the master brewer no matter what and that's the way it's going down that's yeah yeah because you know dude they each each one of them have their own take in the brew but then if you ask them rye does all the work if you ask Mm -hmm. hi rye does work 
if you ask Rye, Ty does all the work. So it's like, uh, you know what? You, you know, that, that's how you know that they've got a good partnership going. Oh, yeah. Neither one of them feels like they're putting forth everything. They feel like the other guy is doing yeah. it all. So right. yeah. they're both just working in <laughs> perfect cohesion to make, yes. it, make it smooth. You, you know, even with, uh, with, with Ty, you know, Rye doesn't like uh, cattle, you know, but Ty. <laughs> You, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a great conversation, man. I just want you guys to feel <laughs> it, dude. I, like, well, here's the deal. We need to plan a day or plan a weekend. Well, yeah. well we got time, you know, because we're all busy fathers. Right. We all have uh, yeah. other jobs. We all have things to do. But we need to plan a time to where we can actually take a weekend. We can go down there and we can have some fun. Oh, yeah. We need to plan a weekend to where we can leave town Thursday after work, be gone Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and come home Monday evening. Oof. A good that, four day good. weekend brew tour. Don't twist my arm. No. That's what I'm, that's what <laughs> I'm, I'm just feeling. saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. I got yeah. vacation. Right? <laughs> Let's go. Right? Let's go. I got time. So uh you guys let us let me know what you want to do. Because uh So far we're thinking something in February. February? February, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Might have to go down there earlier, but for the brew tour, we're gonna keep February okay. as the brew tour. Alright. So you guys you guys good? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? On Skyline, I thank everyone who had some questions about the stuff we mentioned just now in the outro. Go back and listen to the Skyline interview again. Because like Nick was saying, he even brought some stuff up that I didn't catch on to the first time I listened to the episode, Nick. Yeah. Like you were mentioning some stuff just now that I'm like, wait, did did they talk about that? Yeah, I, I remember hearing something about right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't remember exactly what. So I, I know I'm going to go back and listen to yeah. it at least one or two more times. Okay. And especially when this comes out, I'm, I'm going to hit this at least twice. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. Well, yeah, this, uh, just pardon the uh, sound quality, but you know, that's <laughs> Dwayne's all like, great. dude, stop, stop. So, I mean, look, look, here's the deal, dude. It sounded great because it brought you right there. Okay. It made you feel like you were like in the building. Yeah. It's exactly what you want to be. When when people are talking to me on the radio, I want to feel like I'm sitting in the studio with them and I can yeah. see them giggling and laughing and, and joshing around. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You want to you get that Bob and Tom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. No name drops so, or anything, but you know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, right. <laughs> Bob and Tom's not the same anymore, man. No, they no. they were the killer back in the day before you were born. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm speaking to what I know. 1808. So. <laughs> 1808. So, so with this being our 25th episode and with, you know, just the circumstances of who we in- interviewed and had the episode with, I'm just going to say this since I tried to say it last weekend, but <laughs> cut out. Uh, This pod has opened a lot of doors, and I can't imagine doing these kind of things ever. I want to keep that momentum now that there's no strings attached and no dead weight around. It's pure freedom, fun, enjoying. What I like to do the most is miles, mountains, and in this episode, guys, the brews. There you go. The brews. So thank you, guys. Till next time.